Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Amen. And good morning. Hi, friends. It is so good to be here on this nice, cool morning. It kind of feels like we're actually leaning into fall. And I know some of you guys are wondering, when do we get to go back to 10.30? We are in active conversations because we think that was the issue, right? So stay tuned. I know it feels awesome. Maybe we want a couple, you know, a trend of a few Sundays of it feeling nice and cool. Uh, and then, yeah, we are definitely having those conversations. Um, yeah, but thanks for being here at City Church, where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. And a special welcome to all of our friends on Zoom, too, because we actually have one community in two different spaces this morning. Uh, it is just good to be together because I'm the one doing the welcome. Uh, I'm the one who gets to do the bathroom announcement. And I know some of you may be getting tired of the bathroom announcement. I think we may have to start like rotating, like a pop-up, like, hey, you've been here for a while, tell people how to use bathrooms. Um, but for this morning, I'll do it, just in case, if we have new folks. Okay, so through that door in the back, to the left of some stairs is one bathroom. And then over here where you see uh, the kind of orange pole, there are two other brown doors. Those two, the special trick is just as you walk up, you're gonna notice that they're dead bolted open uh, so that they don't automatically lock. So when you emerge, you're gonna make sure it's dead bolted as well for the next person so they can get in, okay? It's less complicated than it sounds. Uh, with that fascinating bathroom announcement, I get to pass it over to Bill. Uh, well, I, uh, I'm glad to be here. We are starting a new sermon series on ancient wisdom and happiness science, uh, sort of blending the two, and it's remarkable how the two actually blend quite well. And so we have some local experts uh, that we want to interview around this subject and uh, hold them for their wisdom. And so um, if we have any kids here today, uh, we need some of, of your wisdom. Hold on, do we need to, are we okay? You're good. Okay, oh, we need to drop that. Okay. Let me be tech Great, so um, if there are any kids, I've got a question for the kids today about does God want us to be happy? And then, you know, yeah. Oh, Sienna, I'd love to hear if you if you wanna if you wanna speak to that question. I, and if there's maybe one other kid uh, of any age, and if not, that's fine. Oceana is pretty well prepared for this sort of thing. <laughs> Solara, do you wanna? No, you're just kind of rooting for Oceana. Okay, yeah, it's good. Hey, sisters are important, so yes, go sister. Okay, Oceana, do you think God wants us to be happy? I think God wants us to be happy because He loves us. Oh. Boom! <laughs> okay, I mean that's that's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. I was gonna have sort of some follow-up questions, and we were gonna kind of go into the Greek and Hebrew, but I'm not sure I really know how to follow up with that. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, yeah okay i think we're yeah there you go okay i wasn't exactly sure where this was all gonna go but oceana i appreciate you i 
Thank you. Thank you. There you go. Uh, I'm going to invite uh, Emma Roy, who's going to pray over our kids. Uh, we have kids playtime and craft time and stuff like that over here. So uh, kids, you'll be invited to go with Miss Emma here in just a moment. If you would like, you don't have to, but if you'd like, you may. And she's going to play pray some sort of little prayer, I'm sure. Right? Yeah. Still get so nervous during this, so God, please give me Oceana's confidence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Holy One, as we enter this fall season together, we pray for all of our kids and families, and we enter good fall rhythms together, figuring out how to live uh, in a new way, taking care of each other, and washing our hands, and wearing masks. And, um, looking out for those next to us and all of our neighbors. We pray for protection against comparison as we go back to school and see other kids with different snacks and toys and shoes. <laughs> um, and help us to remember, as we just heard, that God loves us and wants to be happy and is here uh, for our joy and uh, making a new life and new world together. Thank you for loving us so well. We love you too. Amen. Great. Thanks so much, Emma. Uh, so kids, if you want, you can go hang out with Emma. Uh, and now we are going to have some scripture reading with uh, Lily Palmer, who's going to read scripture for us today. So and uh, we're going to stand. Sometimes we do that around here. Sometimes we forget. Uh, if you're on Zoom, you're welcome to stand, although sometimes it's awkward in the living room. So you do what you want. <laughs> um, but here you go. John 10.10. 10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. People of God, this is the word of God. Yeah. You may be seated. <laughs> It was a nice long one today, huh? I'm going to steal your stand so I don't block the zoom notes. Um, you know, that question, does God want us to be happy? For some of you, you were probably like Solara, and you're like, is this even a question? I mean, of course, God loves us. God wants us to be happy. I mean, why would you do this whole churchy thing if you thought the answer was no? right? Like it just, it just felt obvious. Of course, God wants us to be happy. And then for others of you, uh, perhaps you were raised in a church uh, that gave you a slightly different vibe. And <laughs> as soon as you saw even like the topic of like what we're going to be talking about on Sundays over the next few months, something in you went, ooh, like, I don't know, you know, does this make city church, is it is it one of those like liberal godless churches, right? That they think God wants us to be happy. Um, I kind of, I sort of think I grew up in some churches a little like that, right? That the idea of happiness uh, was actually a little suspect. In fact, there was this book that I read with uh, my, would eventually become husband, you know, as we were, we were engaged, but I thought it was a great book and, and I still think it has some redeeming value. Uh, but the subtitle to it is God cares more about your holiness than your happiness, right? 
yeah, that was that was that was the subtitle because these things were like put in tension. Do you want to be happy or do you want to be holy? And I actually think it's like an interesting place to start this morning. Um, because again, I, I actually think about that book and I'm like, it actually did have some redeeming value. And even as I think about this question, the sort of tension around happiness that was that was shared in the churches that I grew up in, I'm like, I don't fully agree with it, but I actually think there's some, some valid points. So why is it, you know, that in among some religious people, there's a little bit of hesitancy around this idea of happiness? Well, I think the first part is just that sometimes there's an assumption that when we talk about happiness, we're actually just talking about pleasure, right? Like that if you want to be happy, it really just means you want, you want to be, you want to have pleasure all the time and not just pleasure, but like the wrong kind of pleasure, like a cheap kind of pleasure, a cheap kind of happiness. So there's this quote that some of you may have heard before uh, by uh, the Christian thinker C.S. Lewis, uh, who says this, our desires are not too strong, but they're too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are too easily pleased. So it's, it's a concern with pleasure, but also with the sense of like, Maybe you're, maybe we're too easily satisfied. Maybe we're chasing the wrong pleasure. So it's not exactly just that it's about pleasure, but, but the kind that we might be looking after. And, and what it's pointing us towards is the sense of, okay, what things would really truly make us happy? And that's not a bad question, right? That question's actually kind of valid. Like, yeah, what, what would truly make us happy? What are the real, the deep, the rich pleasures that would be good for us? be chasing? What does infinite joy look like? And how do we move in that direction? I mean, I actually, I actually do want to engage that question. And then here's the other concern that I hear coming up from some church folks around this idea of happiness. And just say, well, we also have to talk about suffering because Jesus suffered. It's a suffering servant. He he, there was this way that he was willing to go through really hard things, the hardest thing of all, thinking about his death. And there's a sense of transformation associated with that and, and service and love. And, and so there's this, this stream in Christianity saying, like, we can't avoid suffering. And, and we actually need to figure out how to engage the reality of the hard stuff in our world. And again, there's part of me going like, yeah, I mean, can any of us who've gone through the last year and a half not think that suffering is something that we want our faith, our spirituality, our connection with God to help us deal with? The suffering we've experienced around the pandemic, the suffering we've experienced over a lifetime where it's just been surfaced in new ways uh, around racism and injustice society, right? Like, these are real questions. And so it's not a bad thing to be asking, like, okay, if you want to talk about happiness, is it going to deal with suffering too? 
Is it going to help us grapple with some of those big questions? So what we want to argue, what we want to explore together is a sense of, yeah, we actually think we can talk about happiness and spirituality in a way that makes sense of these things. And we actually think that's what Jesus did all the time. Now, our, our kind of starting point as we lean into this ancient wisdom and happiness science series uh, is a researcher uh, named Dr. Lori Santos. She teaches, she's a professor of psychology at Yale. She has a free course available online as well as a podcast. All that info is in the digital handout uh, if, if you're curious and you want to go deeper. But we're going to use her work as kind of a starting point, a launching point uh, to explore these questions about happiness and how we can improve our happiness. So a really basic place to start, right, would be saying, well, okay, that's how some churchy folks have talked about happiness. When a happiness scientist like Dr. Roy Santos is talking about it, what, is she, what does she mean when she is talking about happiness? And the simplest definition that I could find from her is saying that happiness is about well-being. Is that a little different than maybe you picture when you say the word happiness, right? It, it, it's a little bit more of a modest word, right? Like it, it's not woohoo, super, super. It's just, it's your well-being. How are you doing? Are you flourishing? Are you, are you connected? How's your soul? I mean, I'm not saying these are all exactly the questions that she's asking, but you can picture asking those questions around well-being, right? And there are all sorts of words all throughout scripture and all throughout Jesus' teaching that seem to actually mesh well with this idea of well-being. We find words like joy, contentment, and my favorite one, shalom. Shalom is a word that we talked about extensively you know, a, a year or so ago uh, when we were doing a series around that, but it's this idea of flourishing and a flourishing and relational connection within your own soul, with God, with others, even with the earth. This sense of, of wholeness. This is actually what holiness means, is living in shalom, it means flourishing, it means well-being. And so that verse that Lily read for us, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, don't you hear the resonance in that? Jesus saying, I have come so that you may flourish deeply and fully. And that's what we want to talk about during the series of happiness. Um, so we're going to parse this out, this whole idea of flourishing or shalom, this this picture of, uh, of, of happiness, uh, happiness science and how it syncs with, with scripture. Uh, and, and so my piece here is to think about happiness in your life. And we'll look at some other pieces to it, but, but what does it mean to be happy in your life? A, a verse... We'll look at a couple of verses here and, and then flesh it out. But, but one key verse would be from the book of Ecclesiastes, which is one of the wisdom books of the, of the Old Testament. It says, go eat your bread with joy. 
Drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. It's a sense of like, hey, be happy. Live a good life. Drink good wine. Eat good food. Like, enjoy life now. Just enjoy. Be happy in your life now. There's no reason not to. David, in one of the Psalms, talks about this same idea that, that God smiles on us so that we can live with this sense of, of God's goodness in our life right now. There's this prayer at the end of Psalm 16 uh, where, where David has, he's not denying that there's struggles in life, and some of Psalm 16 is, is praying about that, but at the end says, you will show me the path of life, like how to weave through my days. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's a sense of like, hey, there's pleasure. There's joy here, now, in your presence, in my life. This is what happiness science says. There are certain practices that help us be happy in our lives. We can learn these. They are helpful. And we're going to spend a number of weeks this fall thinking about things like exercise or sleep or gratitude or various other simple things that remarkably show up in the Bible too. And Jesus talks about a bunch of these things and relationships and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's okay. We can talk about how to be happy in our lives. It's actually a good thing to be happy in our lives. And Kaysen is welcome up here just for those on Zoom. I know you can't see it. The camera's angled the wrong way. Kaysen was making a run for it. <laughs> To be happy in our lives. But let me let me paint a picture for this because I think anyone who's sitting here at City Church of all churches is sitting here and, and there's something in you that's sort of like there's a little bit of the fingers on the chalkboard <laughs> as I'm talking. You're like, yeah, it's that. Anti-toxic positivity scratch. <laughs> like, what are you trying to sell me? Like, I am not going to give in to toxic positivity. I have left more <laughs> churches than you can count. <laughs> People trying to sell me a bill of goods saying that life is great. Let's all just be happy. I've deconstructed more of that crap than you could ever sell me. And that's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. And we're going we're gonna to unpack that as well. Okay? And we're going to be gentle. And we'll try to be wise and helpful. And so let me paint a picture and leave it at that, since this is sort of an introductory piece. 
Uh, as many of you know, my wife works on Skid Row in Los Angeles. She works at a health clinic that works with people who don't have housing. And they start their Monday rounds with the doctors and the nurse practitioners and the physician assistants. They start their rounds on Mondays with health and healing rounds. Because otherwise what they found is they can't make it through their work. Too many people die. They can't get access to specialists. There's not enough money for the medicines they need. They don't have enough staff. They don't pay their people enough. So they're always understaffed. And they, they, they just, they can't make it through the week. So they start Monday mornings rounding with health and healing rounds because they actually need some positivity. They need some happiness in their lives. And it's not toxic positivity. It's remarkably healthy and it's balanced. And they're often tears as they share. As someone cries about like, oh my God, you cannot believe it. Some friends in the neighborhood got together money and donated a wheelchair for this patient. And they're so happy. Or, oh my God, my patient died with such dignity. I can't believe it. It was so great. Like the way grandma came together and provided. Or, or this patient, I, you know, they actually took, you know, they took their insulin and their, their sugar got lower. It was a miracle. We've been praying for them, and their, their sugar went from 400 to like 130 in one week. I can't believe it. And, and together, they find hope and healing. And they find happiness in their lives. They find joy in God's presence. They they eat your bread with joy. They drink their wine with, with merry hearts on Monday mornings, which helps them make it through Friday. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to have happiness in our lives. No, it's so good. Um, you know, so Bill, as he was just talking, this is like this picture of this is happiness in your life, like in the day to day, the moment to moment. One of the distinctions that I found really interesting in all this happiness science research is so you have happiness in your life, and then there's also this happiness with your life. Right, there's sort of the moment by moment, but then there's this more just kind of this ability to step back and say, what's the big picture? Not just the moment by moment, but over the course of the week, over the course of the lifetime, what kind of meaning am I experiencing? What kind of purpose am I experiencing? Because 
we're, we're the kind of creatures that we tell stories, right? And, and we want our life and what we're experiencing to fit into something larger. We want a sense that it all makes sense. And so as Bill shares the story about Katie's clinic on Skid Row, I'm thinking, yeah, that's, that's part of it, right? To not get so lost in the day-to-day -day struggles, which are real, that we, we miss some of the bigger things happening as well. That's actually one of the key findings of happiness science as well, is that we actually have this tendency sometimes to over-focus on the negative as opposed to the positive. So while toxic positivity is a real problem, so is toxic negativity, right? That we can actually get over-focused on what's difficult. And so when we take a step back and we say, but what is God doing? And we see that in scripture too. This context for the hard things, this context for the whole story of our lives. So that one of the key verses that I think about is Jesus teaching his Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are those who mourn because they're going to be comforted. Part of the larger context of our life, part of the larger meaning and happiness that we experience is that when we go through struggles, we don't have to do it alone. That we get to have these connections with each other where we're sharing where we saw God show up. We have people who are going to show up with food when we're hurt or we're sick. People who are just going to respond when we throw it out on text or social media, like, wow, I'm having the crappiest day of all crappy days, right? That, that we don't have to go through it together. There will be comfort. I mean, even in Jesus, right? That we connect with a God who is not far off, but a God who actually leans in gets close, he wants to be with us in the context of our suffering. I think as well, um, when I think about this whole idea of happiness with my life, there was this um, older woman uh, I, I knew at a previous church. And uh, when I first met her, I thought she might be like the poster child for like toxic positivity, I'm gonna be honest. Uh, you know, she was just like the chirpiest, happiest person, you know, just warm hugs and just like this big smile all the time. But then as I got to know her and I heard about her life, just the different things she'd experienced. And, and I actually had times where I was sharing with her different things that I experienced. And, and I started to realize that she actually had one of the stretchiest souls that I had ever encountered. I don't know if you guys know what I mean by stretchy soul, uh, but there, and I'm getting older. So I just want to tell you like, that as, as I'm going to start talking about older people, it's because I'm like, you know, I have a fair number of gray and white hairs coming in now. And so I'm like, who am I becoming? You know, and I'm thinking about these things pretty deeply. So there are older people that I've encountered who it seems to me that the suffering in their lives has made them rather brittle, right? That, that they just kind of get a little harder and tougher and, and it's probably protective, but man, it can be a little tough to be around, right? Especially if you're in a season of suffering. Their souls have gotten kind of brittle. Everything is black and white and it can be a little rough. And then there are these people who their souls just stretch like a balloon. It's just as tough. It's probably more resilient. And to be around them in your own suffering, it's just, it's, it's an incredible, experience. It reminds me of this verse in the book of James, count it all joy, 
when you fall into various trials, because the testing of your faith produces patience. There's this picture that part of the happiness with the context in our life is that our suffering changes us in ways that can be beautiful, can stretch us, can grow us, can give us these like resilient, welcoming, incredible souls. And that's actually part of that larger purpose, right? That we actually don't want to become. I want to become. Like, I don't want to stop growing. I don't want to stop changing. I don't want to stop feeling like God has, has more for me and, and even that I can love other people better. But there's a bigger adventure that my life can fit into. The big invitation that Jesus issues to his friends is just to love. He says, hey, the Father has loved me. I've loved you. So stay in that love. Love each other deeply, passionately, incredibly well. That's part of the happiness with that we're invited into. That happiness uh, with your life is, so there's, there's happiness in your life, which is that moment by moment, like, can I be present and enjoy, recognize the goodness? There's that more meta happiness with my life, the existential, wow, am I living the kind of life that is the good life? And then there's a third kind of happiness that we'll be looking at, which is not just my life, but a bigger life. And when we think of shalom in the Old Testament, um, which is translated peace, which is a simpler word in the New Testament Greek. Uh, but shalom is, is big. Shalom is peace in the Hebrew, but it's shalom is this kind of inner weaving of personal and social good. This inner weaving of my and your emotional, mental, financial well-being. It's our goodness, happiness, peace, joy, right? And with ancient wisdom and happiness science, there's not just happiness in my life and happiness with my life, living a good life, but there's happiness with life. It's shalom in the greatest sense. It's collective happiness. There's a scripture in the book of Jeremiah that says this, Jeremiah 29, it says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. The, the people of Israel were carted off to Babylon, and they were like, well, curse Babylon, we hate Babylon, bring it down. And God's like, no, 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 bless Babylon. Love them. Pray for them. Because if you, if you bless it, if Babylon's blessed, you'll be blessed. So don't, don't curse Long Beach. Don't curse LA. Bless Long Beach. Bless LA. Bless the world and you'll be blessed within it. And this is not a vision for gentrification, which certainly some Christians have like, hey, I want to bless my neighborhood and then my house prices will go up. 
This is going to be awesome. We'll get a whole foods in my neighborhood. You know, this is not a vision for personal economic gain. That's not the idea. This is not the vision. It's a vision of collective good that all of my neighbors will have a blessed life. This vision outside of myself. And uh, for those of you who are on Zoom, we actually have a photograph of a little gathering yesterday, a religious gathering, I like to think of it, uh, led by one of our church leaders. Um, I don't know if it was touted as a city church event, uh, even though it was led by a city church leader, uh, but uh, it was led by Ruthie Hypes. Ruthie led a climate change event uh, with a bunch of poly high school kids, right? Come on now. Did you actually stop traffic or did you just? We definitely got uh, maybe a little bit. <laughs> okay, all right. So she was out there organizing, rallying, protesting, and uh, calling for climate change in our world, particularly that uh, schools would move towards more sustainable use of, of energy um, and saying, look, it matters globally, it matters locally that we would be better neighbors to each other for all of us. This is actually what it looks like to think collectively around happiness, around shalom. Thanks for leading the charge, man. We appreciate you. Come on now. And Rubio uh, was also there, I believe. Is that right? Joint effort. Lots of people there. So, but we just appreciate you. But again, this is this sort of this vision of, you know, a greater picture of, of what happiness is. It's not just me personally, and it's not just happiness with my life, but it's a, a vision of shalom. Um, can you tell me like a lot of caveats kind of around happiness, right? Like we're trying to, this is actually like a deep, rich concept that we want to we want to dive in together here is the last one uh around happiness which is that as i've listened to this stuff and i'm like one of those i think it's because i'm like one of those like i want to i want to do life well i'm an enneagram type one i like this kind of stuff right so i really enjoy all the learning i did around happiness science getting ready for this series but one thing that did bother me and i think it's a real thing is that the lens that is often taken is more from an individualistic kind of place. It's not necessarily always with a big picture of our collective good. And it does have a tendency to assume a certain kind of person, maybe a person kind of like me, uh, is the one listening to this kind of podcast, this kind of course. Somebody has a certain amount of resources or a certain amount of education level, uh, perhaps a certain amount of melanin in their skin. Um, and it's not that I think it's it's limited to that kind of person, but but there are actually some justice concerns even in that to say like 
Will we make sure we go and we don't just think our, about our individual happiness? Will we think about the larger collective good? Uh, Caitlin Curtis, who wrote a book called Native that many of us read this summer, she had this great quote that I, I marked out as we were reading. And she says this, for black people, indigenous people and people of color, it is especially difficult to approach the topic of self-care because the system of self-care is often so unreachable for those who do not have the money to take care of themselves. There are many layers of privilege in the conversations. We must consider how our oppressive systems keep so many from getting the care they need. So as we go through this series together, we actually wanna invite you. Um, Bill and I, all the people who are gonna be teaching and leading through this series, we're gonna to try to keep that filter in mind as well. How is this for all of us? How is it not just our individual practices, but how is this about the collective good? How can, how can we lean into happiness in a way that is just and equitable? So if you sense that we're missing that, we actually really want you to come and talk to us about it. And we're, we're gonna keep trying, but you guys get to help keep calling it out and keep it on the radar, okay? Deal, agreed? Okay. So a fun part, you know, you guys know we love hearing stories from people here at City Church, right? Like it should just not be Bill and I doing all the teaching. Like we learn from each other. And most of the time, if Bill and I are doing the teaching, we're teaching for mom's sakes, right? So um, this whole series, we are going to be leaning in some practices together. So every week, there's going to be at least one option, maybe a couple saying like, hey, if you wanted to try a practice, a happiness practice, which coincidentally in basically every case is also an ancient spiritual practice. Incredible, the parallels and overlap there. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna invite you into that over the next week. We're also gonna have somebody who's already tried it come up and share a story about it. And so this morning, we get to welcome our friend, Rachel Yu, because she's gonna come up and talk with us. Yeah! Joel, thank you so much for being willing to be like our, our first person out of the gate with this. Um, so I know you're a little new in the city church, so maybe just introduce yourself just a little bit, like who you are, what you do. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Rachel, and uh, I'm currently living in Hustina Heights, but recently I, I came back to the States because I was working overseas in Myanmar for a couple years, and I was evacuated due to a military coup. So I don't even know if Brenna knows that actually. So. Yeah, I haven't got all of the, I'm not rehearsed this. So. so I can hear more of the story. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So um, I'm still working for my organization in Myanmar, um, but then on Asian hours. So it's kind of like, you know, my working schedule is 6.30 to 12.30 AM. And then I do a couple hours of like email and admin um, during the day. Yeah. Wow, wow, that definitely keeps you busy. Um, what brought you, I mean, I know, so you came back after the coup. Um, what brought you to City Church in particular? Yeah, so actually Donna, uh, I, <laughs> apparently, our fearless I mean, church planter, <laughs> yeah. um, she had posted something on her um, Facebook page, and um, I, I know I'm not like Gen Z, you know, so I don't have Instagram and all this stuff, right? <laughs> so, but uh, um, um, I saw a sermon actually, and I think you were speaking, Brenna. And then I was like, "Oh, that's that sounds really good." Something about like going out to the bar church or something. And then I checked out the the build blog, uh, and I really appreciate that as well. And then when I was back, 
in um, California, I was looking for a church. So I joined online for a couple of weeks and then, um, yeah. And then I, I came, actually my first Sunday was when Donna preached a couple of weeks ago. So Awesome. So we have Donna to thank for you being around and uh, yeah. And, you know, so Donna is our fearless church planter in Orange County. And I heard you're, you know, you're kind of being supportive uh, in that effort as well. That's really fun. That's really exciting. Okay, so here was the challenge for Rachel this week. Uh, Rachel's invitation, because we do have this lens, right? That says it's not actually just about us. And it's not just about like sort of smaller pleasures, but there's a sense of like this, this overall pleasure that's really about connection. Her challenge in her practice was actually about just connecting with people. Um, and it was this effort to like make a, a bigger effort than usual to connect with people in your life. So those people in your life who you maybe you see, but you don't know their names, or you wouldn't usually get into a friendly conversation with. So maybe, you know, like somebody who is checking you out in the grocery store, right? Like just, it, it was basically just like, <laughs> Okay, Rachel and I have actually, I don't know what she's going to talk about. We have had no practice. I just know that she made an attempt to do this. Um, but but that was, a, that was a, and then maybe there was like an optional twist, which you could also try to connect with someone at a deeper level, like a friend or family member that you hadn't talked with for a while. Set aside like an hour to have a connection. So what do you do with the challenge, Rachel? Apparently involved groceries. No, no, actually, uh, the word when you were using checkout, you know, has two connotations. So, like, someone's checking you out at the grocery. Oh. Person, like, just, like, like, literally, like, hey, girl. <laughs> Which I don't always recommend talking to them, you know, but. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm an Enneagram 8, and apparently Bill collects Enneagram 8s. So, um, I initially, when I started, like I was um, at the park and I was just kind of wanting to do my own thing because I'm kind of introverted and I kind of get in, in my head and in, my, in the zone. I purposely picked you because you're an introvert. Yeah, I like, got, yeah, yeah. And um, so I was actually walking around the park and someone says hi to me. And, and I, my initial reaction was, why are you talking to me? <laughs> like, warm her up, you know, like, what do you want from me, you know? But then I was like, oh, no, I'm supposed to be doing this practice. But then by the time, by the time I um, uh, try to like talk to him, he's gone, right? But um, <laughs> so someone had to approach me. But um, I think actually what I noticed this week was I spent a lot of time at the pool um, during the day and there's not as many people there because I'm working mostly in the evenings. And um, apparently there, there tends to be a lot of like people that I like, you know, encounter tended to be older people. And there were like two grandmothers that I, um, you know, started talking to. They were really lovely. One was even a great grandmother. And um, and I was asked for the first time, "Do you have any kids, or are you a, a grandmother?" And I was like, "What does this mean? Like, either either I'm living the life, like the retired life, or like I just look much older than I actually am, or maybe I just have an old soul." So it was, it was an interesting experience and then there was one time there was kind of an older man in the hot in the like the hot spot and um I didn't get a chance to talk to him because I was doing my laps and so I just like sent him good thoughts so I was like that's how I'm going to connect with you <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then um I did end up actually at, conveniently I had a call scheduled with one of my friends who I hadn't talked to in a while and he's still in Myanmar 
So um, it was really good, but it's it's really hard. So I, I I have a lot of obviously conflicted feelings about Myanmar, and I'm still grieving that actually because you know all my stuff's there, my life was there, I lived there for four years, I've invested, you know. Uh, like six years kind of building the organization that we're, we're a part of there and um so speaking with people there it's very difficult because their life i mean this is their life you know like it the coup has devastated everything right like it's every sector um health education the economy um has been just like ravaged just just completely um and uh um so yeah, but it was really good to, to connect with my friends. Um, so there's a part of me, I, I, I definitely feel that, right? There's a part of me that's like, you know, we wanna find joy in the present moment. And being here, I have so many privileges. Like even just when I when I was like driving my car, I remember like the first time coming back driving my car, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can like drive myself places or there's things that are open. And then I think about just what like a completely different world I was living in, you know, um, and how it was dangerous to go on the streets. There's explosions um, and, like, and, and people like getting shot and all, all sorts of things. So, so there's, there's both of that as I was talking yeah. to my friend and um, how to be there and, and acknowledge and recognize the grief and the pain and also how to um, find like joy in 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 the, in the moment. So and, and and how to be that and bring that to to, to people around me. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for being willing to go there. You know, and to, yeah, to, to actually access those places in your life where it's complicated, right? There's a big mix of emotions. Um, I really appreciate that. When you look back, like. Do you think, like, especially when you think about that daily practice of trying to be just a little bit more open to connection, like, did you sense there's any effect on like your, your sense of well-being or flourishing? I think it's, um, in general, I think it is a good practice for me because um, I tend to be, I, I tend to like take an armored stance to the world in general. And it's funny because um, Don and I, well, actually I shared this article with Bill too because it was about AIDS and, and, the, and the virtue of AIDS and, and, and the, the virtue of AIDS is innocence. And um, I rarely felt like, I was like, why is it innocence, right? Like, I don't understand that for AIDS. But um, it, it is something that I've been trying to lean into in terms of like how to, knowing when there is a safe space to let down the walls and to be able to connect to people because I do realize that, I mean, not, you know, the world's not against us, even though as AIDS or like me, I, I, I tend to think that, you know, like everything's a fight, <laughs> everything is confrontational, uh, but it's not. And, and, um, and, and, and when are the moments when I do need to um, let that down, let down my guard so that I can connect with people and that takes vulnerability, it's always a risk, but it is also a gift um, that, you know, when I give of myself, it allows other people to have space to give themselves, and those connections can be really powerful. Yeah. That's so awesome. Would you guys thank Rachel? So uh, this is the invitation this week. We are inviting you as spiritual practice to try to have little conversations with strangers and saying like, what might God do in that? I think 
No, as you heard Rachel talking, it's not like they were like these like earth shattering conversations. And yet, what might happen within your own soul? And with that, there's also the invitation for you to take seriously that God may actually want you to be happy. God may actually be inviting you to a flourishing life. And for some of us, that in and itself, that's a pretty big deal. My friend Rebecca.